I talk today to Anna Huffmaker, host of the Trail Dames podcast. So today we discuss discovering hiking as a curvy woman and the lack of representation that Anna felt while she was out on the trails. We also talk about the empowerment of organising, yes, organising and attending a summit for women, all about backpacking and hiking. And I should add, Anna had never organised anything like this before. So the way she tells this story is just amazing. Anna is also able to very eloquently tell us her experiences of Mary Penimals too, and flags up that this show should not just be for midlife women. Yes, I did just say perimenopause the wrong way round. <laughs> it was actually a funny thing that happened between Anna and I in our pre-recording discussion. And I think in my head, it's always going to be that now. There, there's nothing like a little spoonerism to lighten your day. Now, as Anna said, no one talked about menopause to her when she was younger. No one talked to me about menopause when I was younger. So get your daughters listening to this early on. She is an absolute scream. She is such a bundle of joy. I love Anna to bits. And I think you are going to love this episode too. So get your earbuds in, get listening and enjoy the episode with Anna Huffmaker. Okay, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Head Right Out podcast. Yes, this is just so exciting. We're still going. And today I am just thrilled to bits because I have a wonderful lady who I've had three conversations with, I think now, I forget. But anyway, we just feel like we are connected and we were perhaps separated at birth. Absolutely. Her name name is Anna Huffmaker. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much. And can I just jump in and just say how impressed I am with your podcast. The first time we talked, you said, you know, I'm really thinking about doing this. I should do this. And that was not very long ago. And here you are just yes. rocking it. <laughs> thank Seriously. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start off, Anna, just by telling people a little bit about you, just to kind of wrap it up into a little parcel about who you are, just so people have a good idea of your background, where you've come from. Anna Huffmaker grew up immersed in the world of classical music, studying cello and double bass, and spending weekends playing with symphonies and chamber ensembles. She used to joke that she had a practice room tan and rarely got outside, much less went hiking. However, while spending a summer in the Brevard Music Centre in North Carolina, she got invited to go on a hike. Being slow and insecure, she was soon left behind and over the next few hours found herself falling in love with the smell of the trees around her. As the years went by, she started hiking more and more always by herself, before finally scraping up the courage to try a through-hike of the Appalachian Trail. She spent four months backpacking, broke her foot in two places, walked 700 miles and found herself completely changed. Along the way, she realised that there was no one on the trail that looked like her at all. So several years later, she started Trail Dames, a hiking club for women of a curvy nature. Anna was determined to take over the trails of the United States and what once started with nine women in the basement of her family violin shop has now grown to over 10,000 women with chapters across the United States. 
Traildanes also has its own charitable foundation, a bi-yearly summit, which is a women's hiking and backpacking conference, and its own podcast, the Traildanes podcast. Anna continues to play with symphonies and runs a family violin shop, but she's still moving forward with the idea of having women on trails everywhere. I love that. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, does everyone feel this way? Like when you hear your story repeated back to you, you go, oh, wow. That's like, because <laughs> you forget as you're on the journey, you know. And so. You do. I've just been chatting with another guest and we had a very similar conversation in that it's not just the listening back to your story, but it's actually that deep thinking that you have to suddenly do when you're in this podcast conversation situation where you're remembering things that you'd forgotten about that happened 10 or 15 years ago. And you're thinking, wow, did, yes, I did that. I did do that. And it's really uplifting, isn't it? To get oh, back into that. Completely. completely. And it reminds us that even the smallest of things can change your life. Honestly, it sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. And it reminds you that something that is very, maybe small to you can speak to another woman, you know, and inspire them. And so yeah, that was kind of great. Thank you. <laughs> yes. No, well, you are so creative as well. I mean, I love reading through that. I've got to say, I should add here, this was really funny. When I read through it the first time, I didn't have my glasses on and I think I was tired. It was last night and I didn't quite read it properly. And I read it as, Anna was determined to take over the United States. <laughs> <laughs> And, and soon the world. <laughs> yeah, I can't do one of those laughs. You know. <laughs> but it is funny because I always say we're going to take over the trails, you know, oh. one day at a time, one woman at a time. And to this day, when I look out and see not just trail dames, but women's hiking and outdoor things has exploded. And I look out and go, <laughs> We are taking over the world. Yes. (laughs) And you, you know, how long ago did Trail Dames begin? Because I feel very much like you are kind of one of the forerunners in this. You know, I feel like it too. So we are 14 and a half years old or so. And when we started, I did a lot of research and I said that we were the first national women's hiking organization. And because I could not find anything else, we're not counting the Girl Scouts. They're huge and giant and lovely. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very interesting because someone told me once, and I'm going to tell you this too, with, with head right out. They said, you will not be the first for long because people will copy you and come along and they'll do their own thing. And they told me, they said, Anna, when that happens, it's a great compliment because it means you had a great idea. Mm-hmm. And I've always seen it that way when other, when other people say, you know, Trudings is great, but it's not our thing. We're going to start our own thing. I'm always like, yes, you know, I mean, because we can't have too many of them. So because head right out, you're the first one that, to my knowledge is doing what you're doing. But yeah, it's a great idea. So there'll be others. That's it. And actually, the more voices, the more women's voices that we have, the the more curvy women's voices you have, the more midlife women voices we have, actually, the stronger our message. So therefore, actually, it shouldn't be a competition. It's just all singing and speaking and walking and adventuring together. Yes. 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 As you said, you know, I I grew up, I spent my whole life as a classical musician, which is lovely, but I get plenty of competition in that area of my life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm all about holding hands and singing Kumbaya. That is my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Around a campfire. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So with Trail Dames then, that's all about taking women out 
onto the trail that perhaps are not confident about approaching a trail themselves on their own? Is that is that where? You know, it's so interesting because when I started Trail Dames, I was very single-minded. And when I say I didn't see women that looked like me, I really was focused on weight and size. And, you know, I went on the Appalachian Trail and I'm five feet two. At that point, I weighed 262 pounds. I have no clue what that is in... um, Oh, I know. I can't, you know, whatever that is. <laughs> I, I was like a little watermelon in a tube sock, you know, hiking up the Appalachian Trail. And so my thing at that point was, I want to give women who carried the same kind of fears and insecurities that I did in regarding their weight. That was really what I was focused on. But I had to tell you, like, even from the first meeting, all kind of women showed up all shapes, all sizes. And pretty early on, like I would have these thin fit women and they look at me and they'd be like, do you think I'm not curvy? And I'm like, okay, I got it. You're curvy. It's okay. (laughs) And what I very, very quickly learned is that yes, we do provide a space for women that have never been outdoors before that are insecure or nervous or not sure what to do. But really, it's about connection, you know, and you know this with Head Right Out, we are providing connection. And um, it took me a little while to figure that out and go, oh, wow, this is what's happening. So I refuse to let go of the tagline, Trail Dames, a hiking club for women of a curvy nature, because I still want those women to feel like they have found their tribe. But all the other women are... (laughs) You know, they are, of course, they're here, they're welcome, welcome. we're everywhere. Yeah, so. Mm -hmm. So if ever I come to Atlanta, Georgia, I can come along. You are hiking with us, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, yes. That would be so much fun. (laughs) Oh, wouldn't it just? So the Trail Dames, it had, I think I read in the bio, you have a couple of different aspects to it. So you've got the the podcast, you have the Charitable Foundation, and then you have a summit that happens every other year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Except for COVID, you know, we all say except oh, COVID because it's screwed up. That, that doesn't count. But that that, that, that year didn't yeah, exist. Did so, no. <laughs> so. so I read, I had checked it out. I went onto the website. I'm like, Good God, I do my research. Yeah. I, I call <laughs> and, it stalking. It's, I say, I always tell you when I stalked you, I mean, researched you. you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So the Trail Dame Summit, it was tagline was a woman's exploration of self and the outdoors. And mm-hmm. I connected with that so much because that's what Head Right Out is. It's all about heading out of your comfort zone in the outdoor space. And heading out of your comfort zone means that you are exploring yourself yes. and, yes, and then observing how you deal that but it's in particularly in the outdoor space so tell me about the summit because for me this is definitely a comfort zone thing I feel but I don't know maybe it wasn't for you but it wasn't something that you'd ever done before so I do have to tell you so quickly because when when women talk about wanting to do things you know my my thing is always just go do it just jump right in just do it. And I had to tell you, I was taking a class in marketing and advertising and it was for our family business. And they were saying, oh, you need to do something big. And of course, everything for me was like, okay, family business, violin shop, marketing, but trail names. That was what I did with everything. I was learning for both. And at the end of the class, they went around the little circle. There's like 13 of us. And they said, okay, what big thing are you going to do? And when they got to me, I went, I'm going to do the nation's first women's hiking and backpacking conference because I had Googled it and one didn't exist. And the teacher didn't even hesitate. And he went, great. When are you going to do that? And I went, July. And um, (laughs) he says, okay. And he moved on to the next person. There was no questioning, no planning or anything. This was February. And so I went home and this is how I do everything. 
So I have stated that I'm going to do this. This is now happening for sure, without a doubt. And I Googled, how do you put on a conference? <laughs> and every Thank God single- for Google. Oh, oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> every single website said, start a year to a year and a half out. And I was like, oh, oh maybe this is bigger than I oh, thought man. it was. <laughs> and the story of how we got through the next four months involves me almost having a nervous breakdown and my friends circling around me and saying, we think you need a committee. And um, and my friends came together and my wonderful friend Pam joined with me as a co-chair and it happened and it was amazing. And it was, <laughs> there's this picture of me, I have to tell you, we met at this little college and they had no air conditioning. It was Virginia in the summer. And we were all hot and we were sweaty. And I think like 62 women came to that first one. And I was so happy. And there's this picture and you look out over the room and someone is speaking and I'm leaning against the door and in my face. And maybe it's because I was there. I can tell you there's simultaneously like the greatest exhaustion, but coupled with, I was so moved because in the heat we were sweating and, you know, it didn't matter. These women were so engaged And what the speaker was sharing, they had within two and a half days, everyone had become the best of friends. You know how that is when you go to something like that. And it was extraordinary, you know, and I remember a friend of mine looking at me going, oh, Anna," and that just meaning like, and we both just kind of started crying. We were like, look at such beautiful things can happen if you just jump in and go for it. (laughs) You might be really tired. (laughs) So, and but yeah, you know, it did it just brought about such camaraderie and such companionship and again connection that's like the word of the day oh, I think yeah I mean for starters obviously you should be so proud of starting that up and just giving women that opportunity I would be moved if I was sat there listening to those people speaking and I've been to conferences I in fact I went to a conference back in February it was just before the lockdown it managed to sneak in before the lockdown it was called the Adventure Mind Conference And it was the first of its kind, and it brought together speakers that were sharing stories about resilience and building resilience using adventure. Yes. Not just for adults, for children, for young people, for mental health. You know, everybody should have this opportunity of sleeping outside or pushing themselves beyond their comfort zone, stretching those resilience strands that we're made up of and making sure that they're strengthening all the time. Yeah. And I remember coming away from that feeling so empowered and so full to the brim of ideas and just a need and a desire to go out and change the world. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and that's what it's about, isn't it? So going to conferences and summits like this is such a positive thing for other people. So for you, for those women that would have had such a huge impact on their lives, but also on your life as well. Oh, completely. You know, it's so funny because just through the years of Trail Dames so far, we talk a lot about the growth and the wonderful things and what women have gotten from it and how they've gone out and done bigger and better things. And all I think about all the time, honestly, I joke and I say it really is all about me, but the lessons that I've learned, you know, and I talk about, like I said, you know, my friends like circled around me and said, we think you need a committee. They literally had to sit me down and wave their hand in front of my face and say, yo, Anna, ask for help. And that's like, maybe, I mean, it's a lesson a lot of women have a hard time with. It hadn't even occurred to me. That's the thing. It wasn't pride. It wasn't, you know, I can do this. 
it hadn't even occurred to me. And so little lessons like that happen all the time. Like for me, I feel like we're all getting great things from it. Yes. Oh, that's that's such a positive response. And so you'd never done anything like that before. You stepped out of your comfort zone. You've learned lots of lessons from it. Hang on. So when was the first one that happened? What year? Oh, gosh. Uh, You cannot even ask me that because I don't know. Um, Okay. (laughs) I think 2011. Okay. So it's 10 years. If we take out out COVID, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so 10 years. So you've had five. It's by... We actually have had, I think we've had six because we started doing it every summer. Like the first three we're doing every summer. Okay. And by like after the third one, I thought I was going to die because I work a full-time job mm. and I work part-time jobs playing. Yeah, I was teaching and I was performing as a freelance musician and I ran trail names in the corners of my life. And so, and then to put the summit on top of it. Yeah. So after those first three years, we were all like, mm, every other year is a smarter move. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that we've had Six. Okay. So So in those six years, you must have had some amazing stories back from people. You must get feedback or even perhaps speakers that come back in following years that perhaps were they just in the audience previously? Yes. You know, and it's, it's really interesting because one woman at her first summit, she told me, she said, I've never hiked or backpacked before. And the next year when she came back, she was getting ready to do a through hike. And she talked about like for her, it was about skill building. I don't know. She was, she was just a pretty, I don't know what the word is. The word isn't driven because that might have a negative connotation. She was just a confident woman to begin with, but she talked about getting the skills she needed and to be able to move forward. And she got them that started right there at the summit. Things like that happen a lot. But it's the small things that I really love. It's the women that show up. We have a lot of women that come that, and these are my favorite kind of women. You ever heard the term armchair hikers? Yes. So, yeah. So it used to be armchair hiker was a little bit of a, wasn't an insult, but it wasn't necessarily a good thing. You know, a bunch of hikers would be sitting around going, oh, someone says an armchair hiker. But I have always seen that as something completely different. I've seen armchair hikers as dreamers because they are sitting there learning about the trails and the outdoors and mountains because they have a dream inside of them. And I cannot tell you how many of those women have come to trail dames or the summit and then gone out and hiked gone out and experienced their first mountain you know that's a win that's what I want right there it's powerful it's powerful powerful. I do not care if you I don't need you to go hike 3,000 miles or 6,000 miles those women are extraordinary but if you say you know what I just went and did this three mile loop and I went by myself for the first time ever I like get goosebumps I just Mm. for me that's the exciting stuff no that is it's women empowering women which is Mm -hmm. it's just needed they need yes. to see that there are other people like them out there doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important. So you did the AT. I you... attempted the AT. Okay. So yeah. you did 700 miles. Yes, I did yes. 700 miles. And this is always really important. My friends, they get, they give me a hard time because I always go, I only did 700 miles. I am not cutting myself down. I'm not downplaying what I did. Let me tell you, 700 miles was extraordinary for me, extraordinary. But the Appalachian Trail is somewhere around 2,100 miles. Yes. And I know so many women and men, of course, that have done the entire thing that to me, that's just a respect thing. So, you know, you call yourself a through hiker while you're doing it, while you're attempting it. When you're done, to me, you know, you get that title if you finished it. 
So I say I only did 700 miles, but yeah, it was great. It was it's awesome. 700 miles. <laughs> when you put it into a different context, just over 800 miles, 870, 880 miles is walking Land's End to John O'Groats. In, there you go. In mm-hmm. the UK. Yeah. You know, and that's not to be sniffed at. You know, that's no. that's going to take no, it's a, quite yeah. a while. So that's Absolutely. like four, five, six weeks, depending on whatever speed oh, you walk. Month. No, no. Four months. <laughs> no, no. This, this We're talking okay. four, five, six weeks UK, Land's End to John O'Groats. Okay. But no, I realise the AT is woo, <laughs> so no. up and down. <laughs> And I'm tickled because so normally the Appalachian Trail will take your average bear six months, you know, Um, but even had I not broken my foot and had to get off to heel and then come back and had I had an interrupted experience, but I'm really slow and I'm easily distracted. (laughs) Oh, I know that. I know that feeling. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) so I, I think probably it was all said and done. I did a about four months on trail yeah Yeah. that's still four months of being with yourself and perhaps Mm -hmm. meeting other people being out in nature being on your own it's four months of experience oh seriously forget the miles it's four months of amazing experience amazing and I did have a hiking partner for almost the whole thing and it's like anything else in this world like you know if you go to college when you come out of it you have a million little stories you know if you do something like this you come out of it you have a million little stories and on the trail days podcast our producer had encouraged me from the beginning to read my Appalachian Trail journal entries at the end of each big interview, because I do some smaller things. So I read a couple of them and I did this in 2003. So it was like a hundred years ago and (laughs) (laughs) revisiting it is so much fun. And Steve, he kind of teases me. He's British also. And he, Steve is a very British. And and he, he says, Anna, you seem to get a, li- a bit emotional when you were reading that. And I'm like, yes, I did. And what he means is I would say they're crying because it brings back these memories of all these stories and these people you meet, these kindnesses and these struggles, you know, the whole thing. You know, you've done long trails. Oh, gosh. So. And can you imagine never having written any journals or logbooks? Can you imagine not having that record? Because Oh, you think you'll remember everything. You really do. And I, even when I'm reading it, I can see that when I was writing it out, I knew that I those memories would never leave me. Oh, yeah, they're gone. Like some of them I look at, I go, oh, I, I do not even recall that at all. Let me just tell you, one of my good friends said to me once, he said, Anna, do you journal? And I said, no, not really. And he said, you should. He said, your life really deserves recording. And I say that to people all the time, I say that to women, you may not think it's much, your life deserves recording, you know? So I'm just so glad I, t- I kept a journal. I feel that, absolutely feel that here because it, it is, it's so important. And you don't, even 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I was 40 and I did not think I would forget those important moments in my life. But now 10 years on, they are definitely slipping. Yeah, And, and it's not until I start reading what I've written even just in a diary that is just a daily diary, like where I'm noting down engagements and places I've mm-hmm. got to be, that's enough sometimes to trigger a memory. Exactly. But, yes. But that, and that's why I have stacks of those diaries. I don't throw them away because <laughs> I never know when I might need to go back to them and just trigger right. a memory. But the deeper the feelings, the thoughts, the acknowledgements of what's going on around you when you are actually out on the trail, you know, what's hurting? What are you fed up with? Who's 
pissed you off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. What are you enjoying? What do you love to see? All of those moments. It you know it might just be oh my gosh, an owl just flew over me when I was having a pee in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. But those are the moments you just want to record and you don't want to forget, yeah. aren't they? They really are. And, you know, for me, I write a lot about what I smell and what I feel. And, you know, and I actually have a journal entry and it's called, I now know what the inside of a cloud tastes like. And it's because I don't want to forget those things, you know, and for me, and I don't do a daily journal, like I probably should, but like you're saying, but every quote unquote adventure I've taken travels around the world doing different things. I journal those and it takes a lot of time. You know, you'd be amazed how much time it takes at night to lay in your sleeping bag or wherever you are and write out that whole day. But I know that I want to remember. I want to remember what it felt like to touch an elephant in Thailand or to watch kids playing in Africa. If I forget those things, I'm going to be really upset. And you say time, it takes time, but it takes energy as well, doesn't it? And when you've been out on the trail, when you've been walking for miles and miles and miles that day, and then you've put your tent up, you just want to clamber into your tent, grab something to eat and go to sleep. I have actually been there in my sleeping bag with pen poised at my logbook and I've fallen asleep and you can see the the biro trail across the book across the page where I've just oh okay right now I've got to wake up (laughs) quick let's get this done (laughs) and and I've gone into bullet point form because I can't do it long form it's just like I'm just too tired to do long form so I've just got a bullet (laughs) yeah you know and I learned early on that I couldn't put it off too much if you put off two or three days then then you could need like seriously like three hours to sit there and really flesh it all out. So yeah. Yeah, no, easily. Anna, what did the AT give to you? The number one thing it did, and I have to tell you, it was a process. It wasn't just a one moment and it wasn't just the AT. But from the moment I looked at my mom three years before and I held up, a, I was reading all these books on the AT and I held up a book and I went, do you think I could ever do this out of the blue? From that moment and her saying yes to then a year and a half later doing a three-day charity walk for breast cancer, which was 60 miles in three days. Like I would do these things and then I finally hit the trail. There was all these series of events that actually made me believe I could do things. Because, you know, probably so many of your listeners, I'm, I'm sure you have done this. I used to read all these books and their compilation essays of women adventures of the outdoors. I used to love all those things. I have like eight of them. And I, and I will never forget one day sitting down and I was reading it and I just inexplicably out of the blue got really mad. And I was like, I won't say the word that I said, cause it's not, it's not a PG word, but I was like, I'm tired of reading about these women. I think I want to be one of these women. And I threw that book across the room. I still have that book. And I stopped reading those things. And I'm like, look, you know, either you can or you can't, but it's time to at least try something. And so these things, especially the AT showed me that, yeah, you could, you could get out and do stuff. And for me, like I said earlier, you know, there are women out there that hike thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. You, Zoe, have hiked more miles than I have for sure. For me, it didn't have to be a number. It had to be an attempt and a trying. And every time I attempted something or tried something, I felt more alive and full of potential. And like, when I leave this world, I want to have really experienced it. 
You know what I mean? Like, you oh, know, and yes. even, yeah, I just want to, you know, I want to go on to the other, I want to go into my next life or whatever and be like, oh, I did a pretty good job at trying that one, you know? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so the it's, not, it's not about succeeding, is it? It's not at all. No. no. Now, my definitions of success are really different than a lot of other people's. My definition of success is often just putting a boot to trail and trying it, you know? And if I come back and I go, you know, I only did 700 miles, but let me tell you, for Anna, that totally kicks butt, then yeah, it's it's fine. You've just, sorry, memory trigger there. Your, it kicks butt. What's your trail name? Oh, <laughs> my trail name is Mud Butt. Um, why is your trail name Mud Butt, Anna? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, it is so interesting because when I write my bio, I've never written my bio, the one that I wrote for you for this. And my trail name happened on that hike in North Carolina, that very first hike I ever took. And it's funny because it was the most beautiful day and it was the driest of days. There was no rain, no nothing. And my friend, one of my dearest, wonderfulest friends, John was with me and he had left me. And toward the end, there was like a little rough spot and there was one mud puddle and he came back to me to help me because he knew I would have a little struggle. And of course, I fell into the one mud puddle on the entire trail. I mean, and there is somewhere there's like this fuzzy old picture of it. And when I look at it, I'm pretty sure I had on like these white decorative tennis shoes and like a little pastel outfit. I was trying to be all cute. Um, and I wasn't cute, but it, I was trying. Anyway, and it was, and he helped me. And of course, I'm all muddy and it was a joke. But later that night, we were all sitting around indulging in a little alcoholic beverage like college age musicians will do and uh, there was some tequila involved and at one point John was giving me a hard time and somehow it slipped out and he said hey and he actually called me bud mutt because like I said there was a little alcohol involved and (laughs) I'm like spoonerism going on there (laughs) yes I'm like bud mutt what's a bud mutt and when I realized it was mud butt I laughed and laughed and it kind of became just a little joke I was not a hiker I never even heard of the Appalachian Trail like none of those things And as the years went by, first, I used it as a crutch for embarrassment. Like if I'm going to fall a lot, which I used to fall all the time before I discovered hiking poles, woohoo, hiking poles. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I would fall all the time and I would be like, well, there I am. No surprise there. But it just became, it's, it's a sense of humor. It says where I've come from. Like it makes me smile. It came from a good friend. It's like my perfect trail name for sure. Oh, I love it. I just love it. And yeah, and it's acknowledging that, hey, you know, you might fall over a few times, but you always get up again and always get back on the trail and pick yourself up, dust yourself down, wash those white trainers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I look at it, I'm like, well, you've come a long way, baby, when I saw that picture. (laughs) But I'm sure you did look cute. (laughs) Well, I was having fun. So were you ever faced then with any prejudgments from anybody else when you were out on the trail because of your curvy nature? You know, did anybody give you a hard time or give you any, yeah, just any prejudgments about whether they thought you were up to the job? It's very interesting. So to my knowledge, no, I judged myself very harshly. And I assumed that people were saying things and judging me and making assumptions and all this kind of stuff. But no one ever said a single thing to me, but I can tell you that early on in the trail, we were hiking and I met 
some young men that were fantastic. And I met this young man named Sidewinder. Sidewinder was the quintessential AT hiker. He was like 22 years old, skinny, fit, fast, really personable. Like I met like 2000 people like this and mostly men on the trail, but I just really liked him. He was a really nice guy. And I ran into him later. I had to get off the trail because I was injured. And I'm sorry, no one breaks their foot in two places and then comes back. Everyone says when they're injured, I'm going to come back. But most people, they decide to come back another year. So I did assume that a lot of people would not think I was coming back. But I did. And in Virginia, down the road, I was hiking by myself for a week. My hiking partner had gone on ahead. And I was down in this grove and I hiked down to this shelter. And I remember it was really, it was very dark because we were really down kind of deep between two mountains. And and I looked up and there was a guy sitting on the edge of the shelter and it was Sidewinder. And I'm like, Sidewinder, it was so great to see him. He was like, mother. So we sat and we had a little lunch and I will never forget this because he was eating peanut butter out of a jar with a spoon, you know, and we were kind of laughing and joking. And he said, okay, I'm taking off. And I said, great. And he looked at me, he was packing his pack up and he, he got real serious. And he said, mud butt. And I go, yeah. And he goes, no matter what anyone ever tells you, you belong out here. And I went, well, well, thank you, Sidewinder. Thank that's so sweet. And he hiked off, but I never have seen him since then. And I hope he's having a wonderful life. He's a great person. He deserves it. But I was sitting there for a second and I was simultaneously really moved and really touched. And I really appreciate him saying that. But there was this little voice that went, he wouldn't have said that if people hadn't been saying it. Does that make sense? If other people hadn't been talking about it. So now I, I will tell you, and this is not like me. Normally I would have taken something like that and really chewed on it, but I didn't. I like took from that be feeling loved and appreciated and respected from a fellow through hiker. And I went on with my day. I just remembered that because yeah, obviously maybe some people had some stuff to say, but it wasn't my thing. (laughs) That got got me. (laughs) So it, Oh my gosh. That is one of my favorite memories. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. And I can see how it could be construed either way, but as you did, you took it in the intention. I think it was given. Absolutely. And that I, 100%, that's what he meant. And that right there, there's another really great example of something that I have learned. And it's taken me 53 years. I'm 53 years old to learn. You can take anything two ways. You can look at any experience two ways. Every coin has two sides. We get to choose. If I am in a normal state of mind, you know, I choose to feel good about something. I choose to feel honored and appreciated. I spent enough of my life worrying about feeling overweight and slow and not good enough. And yeah, no, I choose to not feel that way these days if I can at all help it. So Yeah, no, that's that's grand. I I like that. I I know we've touched on a little bit. uh, It might have been in our little chit chat before we started recording. I can't remember now. (laughs) That's kind of my very metal. I do the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But how has the vision then of other women out there, either on the trail or in adventure, has it changed now, do you feel, to how it was all those years ago when you first went out on the trail? Do you think it's different now? For me or for the world in general? Like, this, Yeah, actually, okay, that's right. It is different, you know. So again, it kind of makes me a little bit feel like the old lady on the trail. Like when I first started my own hiking and when I first started Trail Dames, groups of women coming together, we would have these Yahoo groups online, you know, like sounds so old fashioned now, but 
we were small. There weren't a lot of us. And it certainly was mostly people who really already did hike. There wasn't a lot of reaching out and pulling out other people and saying, come on with us. As it has grown, watching clubs pop up everywhere, all over the world, like hundreds and thousands of clubs, it's become so accepted and normal. You know, I used to walk up to strangers in restaurants and say, you know, I'm not a weirdo, but you seem really cool. Come join me in trail dames. Now, when you do that, they're like, oh yeah, I hiked last weekend. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not as unusual as it used to be. And so, which is fantastic, but there will always be women that appreciate the extra support and the help and the motivation that will always exist, you know, so. And it's not just necessarily because of size either, is it? I mean, there are, no. there are a whole wealth of reasons and diversity issues that might mean that they haven't managed to get out there into the mountains, on the trails, even just walking or exercising. Yeah. And it's, it's a thing where maybe we don't know what we're capable of or what we can do. And again, maybe it hadn't even occurred to us. It's like my greatest lessons happened because they had not occurred to me. But I have to tell you, so I was so moved. I was listening to your interview, your podcast with Julia Goodfellow-Smith. Y'all had a conversation and you were talking about superheroes and superpowers. Superpowers. And yes. yes, yes, yes. And I think about this all the time with Trail Dame. And I think about people who have no clue that they have superpowers. So I have to tell you, a couple of years ago, I went to Thailand and I was volunteering on an elephant rescue thing. And it was me and one other man my age and then a whole bunch of 22-year-olds. And most of them were from the UK somewhere. And it was so fascinating that first day we sat down and our little leader, he said, okay, everybody go around in a circle. He said, I want you to say your name, where you're from and your superpower. That was what he said. And as they went around, every one of those young people. Now, these are young people who were trekking across Southeast Asia, staying in hostels, doing volunteer work, basically being unbelievable, every last one of them. And every one of them went, my name is so-and-so, and I don't, I don't really have a superpower, every one of them. And by the time they got to me, I was tied into knots. And I told them, I went, you people are killing me. And they just looked at me like I had lost my mind. And I told them, I said, how can you each not think you have superpowers? I said, I'm sitting right here and I'm immersed in your superpowers because look at who you are and what you're doing. You could be sitting on a beach sipping Mai Tais and you're shov- shoveling elephant poop. Like these are amazing kids. And I just went home. them, I said, but you're very lucky. Today's your day. I said, because my superpower is recognizing other people's superpowers oh, and helping yeah. them find them, and <laughs> which was so great. And do you know, I told him, I said, by the end of this week, every one of you going to know your superpower. And it did happen that way. But the best part of the whole story, when I finished doing that, because I was really, you know, tied up in nuts. I was like, how can these yes, people not yes. see? And this young man looked at me and he went, you, you, you don't understand. We're British. <laughs> he said it just like that. And I was like, okay, I understand. You don't have to be loud and obnoxious like an American, but. <laughs> it is a cultural thing. It is a cultural is. thing. But thank goodness their superpower fairy godmother turned up. Thank you very much. But the reason, and I'm circling back around, because this is what I think, you know, I hope that in trail names, not everybody that comes to trail names needs to be told what their superpower is. We have a lot of extraordinary women and they're like, here I am to save the day, you know, (laughs) but I think these women's 
organizations all over the world that are helping women. That is exactly what all of us are doing. We're helping other women. You know, we're not helping them even get a superpower because we all have them and we all have more than one, you know, but just shining, a, holding up a mirror and going, by the way, look at this mirror. There you are. That's your superpower. So that's what I think is more and more and more happening these days and all in women's outdoor stuff everywhere. And you for sure, you big time are just holding up a mirror to your women and saying, look at what you can do. You should be giving out capes. Cake. Superhero cake. Oh, cake. cake. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Superhero just, cake. <laughs> focus on cake there. <laughs> Capes and wife fronts. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're 53, Anna. I actually. I am. I didn't know you were 53 until we had a little conversation just before we started mm-hmm. the recording. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you're ageless. You know, you have no, you have no age. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. But with that age comes a range of symptoms sometimes. Ah! <laughs> or little, little things that just kind of latch onto you and just go tap, tap, tap. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Don't forget I'm here. Are we, is it getting hot in here? <laughs> it, it might be getting a little hot and I might be getting a little bit moody. <laughs> No, I don't want to go for another walk with you. <laughs> I want to go on my own. <laughs> so we're, we're obviously talking a little bit about the Penemores. Yes, Penemores. <laughs> Mary Penemores. The, the, the Mary Penemores. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry, but it will always be that in my head. Now, I know. Seriously, <laughs> now we're stuck on it. <laughs> so, yes, perimenopause. So, talk to me a little, if you would, about your experience so far of this and how you feel you are coping with it. Are you still managing to get out and do the things that you'd love to do? Your Anna experience of, of well, okay. So, it's such an interesting question because, first of all. I know that so much of your audience are women that are about our age, but I want to encourage all of your listeners to have your daughters listen to this too, because I spent my whole life growing up thinking menopause meant old. And, you know, that was what your grandmas did. And for that matter of fact, being a grandma meant old. And but when I got here, I looked around, I was like, holy crap, I'm not old. I know women that are traversing the globe, sailing around the world, climbing mountains, starting head right out organizations. This idea that menopause or the the time leading up to it meant that you were really older, it completely is not true. And so I want young women to know that. I want them to know that because I kind of always thought that maybe that was like, from there on out, we're just going to nice do a nice slide into retirement. Well, that's nowhere close. It just doesn't work like that. I also, I just want to say that no matter how much people try to describe to you what a hot flash feels like, it is not like the real thing. <laughs> like you think, you know, you think you understand. And people have said to me, well, it feels like from the inside, you're baking from the inside out. And I never really got that until I got it. <laughs> and so, and you're lucky because I, so I go through phases. So I'll go through like six months of hot flashes and I want to kill the world. And then I go through some when I'm not having them. I don't have them now. And you're very lucky because I'm looking around my desk as we talk. Because normally I have all these little vials of peppermint oil because someone had told me when a hot flash is coming to put peppermint oil on your neck. And it really does help. It does helps it help? a lot. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. It doesn't make the hot flash go away, but all of a sudden it's very cooling, you know, so it's, yes. it's a lovely thing. But I, ha- I don't need it right now, which is good. Here's the thing. So 
I think for a lot of us, I know for me, it kind of snuck in there. So what is the difference between just being moody and it being a hormonal moody and it being a perimenopausal, you know, if you're only going by your periods, that gets a little weird, but okay, so fine. So I started my period starting getting weird, you know, do you have one every two months, whatever? And you're like, okay, maybe this is the time. But then we have COVID. And the thing about COVID is I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for everybody else. For our mental health, it has been really difficult. You know, it has everyone I know, our force field that helps us get through the day, our inner strength has gotten very thin and very fragile. And the smallest things just make us lose it because we just don't have a lot of bandwidth emotionally. So now we're interesting because my desire to rip your head off, is that perimenopausal or is it because COVID has just left me without many resources? I can't really tell you which is which. I can tell you it's a challenge to face it all, but I can tell you I am not proud. I'll take anything you give me. I will take therapy. I will take medicine. I will chant naked around a fire if it will make me happy and fulfilled and able to move forward with my life goals without wanting to kill somebody. <laughs> I'll do it all. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, there's that's my Anna story of perimenopause. I, I, I love it. And in those moments of you want to kill everybody, are you completely off the radar of getting yourself outside and going for a walk? Would that even occur to you in those moments? How do you cope? Um, <laughs> I live that actually, that's a good question. So I live in a very large suburban area outside of a large town. So I live outside of Atlanta, Georgia in suburbs. So first of all, green space and getting to trails is not particularly easy, but there are, you know, if you're willing to drive, there are beautiful, unbelievable trails. The beginning of the Appalachian Mountains and all that stuff. However, when the shutdown happened in the US and when COVID hit, everybody and their brother who had never set foot on a hiking trail decided they were going to. And maybe it was a little bit of perimenopause emotionality, but I just got really angry. And on news and on social media, they would show pictures of these little country highways lined with parked cars, illegally parked. And the trail, you would just have hundreds of people on it. That is not relaxing to me. I'm a little ashamed and embarrassed, but a little bit, I was like, excuse me, that's my trail. (laughs) Get off my trail. All you newcomers need to go home and watch (laughs) Netflix like everybody else, (laughs) you know? So for me, that was the first time in decades, literally hiking in the outdoors did not call to me. Hmm. It infuriated me and it frustrated me and things have calmed down now. And now I have gone back out hiking and it's much better. But yeah, that was a very strange thing to go through where my, the one thing that I normally, it could be my, you know, people talk about your safe space. Oh my gosh, the the mountains of North Georgia and of North Carolina, that green tunnel, all those trees, that is my safe space. It makes my spirit at peace Mm. normally until COVID, but now we're back. So (laughs) so, yeah, it was a strange time. And would you feel that when you're hiking on your own, as opposed to walking with somebody else, would the criteria be that you need to go and do it solo? It's so interesting because people ask me a lot, do you prefer to hike with the dames or by yourself? And the answer is yes, because I spent years hiking by myself. It started because I was insecure and didn't believe I could keep up with other people or belong to a hiking group, but it quickly became 
that was my place of solace. Then with Trail Dames, that quickly became so enriching and heart filling. I tell people my favorite sound in the entire world is the sound of women laughing through the trees because oh. we would spread out up the trail and we're not a quiet hiking group, by the way, you don't ever want to hike with us. If you want to see like wildlife, we tell people we are the wildlife, but that sound of women's laughter, magic happens when you hike with women. Like you don't even have to know them within 20 feet of walking on dirt underneath trees. You feel like you can share yourself with each other and you can laugh with each other and we cry with each other. So I love both equally and I need both equally. Now, when I go out by myself, would I love a completely empty trail with no one but me? Absolutely. I know that's too selfish to ask for. (laughs) I do live in a very populated area, (laughs) but I'll take it any way I can get it though. So it's just being outside, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Mike and I got to walk some of the AT last year. We came over to New York in January and we had two, two weeks in January in the beginning of February. And we got back just before lockdown happened. But we made our way from New York via New Jersey and then up in upstate New York to the Catskills. And High Point, I think we, yeah, I think we ended up at High Point anyway. And a little bit of other stuff. We did two days of hiking one way on the AT and then hiking the other way on the AT. And it just felt wonderful. I know I wasn't out there doing it for very long. It's, you know, that's another dream of mine. But just to be on that path that so many other friends and people I've read about or listened to as they're speaking, they have trodden that path. And it just felt so good to finally be there and see that blaze, that AT blaze on the trees. And I was thinking of you. I was thinking of Sarah Williams from Tough Girl. You know, there were so many people I was thinking of and it just felt good to be there. And it was like, yes, one day. It is a magic place. It's, mm-hmm. And I have to just say, like, for all your listeners, like, every trail has its own magic and its own energy. The Appalachian Trail, the energy of it. When we did Trail Dames, our very, very first Trail Dames hike, we hiked Springer Mountain, which is the southernmost part of the Appalachian Trail. Now, this is not a good hike to take a group on. You have to go on a forest service road. It takes forever to get there. When you get there, it's just a mile up and a mile back, and it's a lot of work. And then there's not really great views. You know, it's just like this little unassuming in the middle of nowhere mountain with a plaque on it. But I tell people, like when you stand there, you can literally feel the hundreds of thousands of dreams that happened on that mountain. And you could feel it all up and down the trail. You know, anytime I step on the AT and like you said, when you see that white blaze, no matter what the weather, no matter what state you're in, no matter if it's muddy or dry or rocky, you can feel the dreams. The ground is marinated in them and it's amazing, amazing, amazing. That's just, oh, absolute beauty in that. The dreams are marinated in them. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Anna, we are coming to the end of our conversation. and I just You do know, you and I could do this for hours and hours and hours. We could, (laughs) and we have done because I've been on on Trail Dames podcast uh, (laughs) twice with Mm -hmm. you and then had a, other little um, chit chats as well but yes we, we do like to talk and, and it's wonderful and I just feel like we are connected by more than just the interest in walking like you know there's mm-hmm. so much that we've got in common there but I'm really interested to know about your head right out moment so this is a question that I ask all of the women that come on to the head right out podcast do you have an experience a moment where you think 
geez, yeah, I actually stepped out of my comfort zone there in the outdoors. It was something I didn't think I was ever capable of doing. And you might have talked about it already. And if you have, that's fine. But is there something that you could pinpoint where you go, yeah, that really was my head right out moment. I stretched my comfort zone boundaries beyond belief. And benefited from it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's very interesting because I've had a lot because I grew up not thinking I could do very much. Stretching myself was not hard. Let me just say that. You know, I did not grow up thinking I could seize the day. And I had to tell you, when I was doing my AT through hike attempt, we were in Maine. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the AT, there's, it's called the hundred mile wilderness and it's a hundred miles. And for the most part, no road access, you have to really be ready. And, and it's very rugged for me, very, very difficult, very rugged. And we were probably about 35 or 40 miles into it. And I just looked down and of course I'm slower than I need to be because you've got to be able to get through on the food that you're carrying. And, and I'll look at my hiking partner, her name is Bumpkin. And I said, Bumpkin, this isn't going to happen for me. I just can't move fast enough. This is really rugged hiking. So we we made a quick decision and she left me and she we we agreed on this. It was a good thing. She hiked off because she had she was a marathon runner. She could do anything. And it started raining and that was in the morning when she hiked off. And it rained for 24 hours and I laid in my tent and I alternatively cried and attacked myself and was depressed and then cried some more for 24 hours. And I realized that my will and my heart weren't enough. Like your body is your limitation. When no matter what you think, you know, I always thought I could do anything. Yes. You know, I'm short and round and I can do anything. No, your, your body is a limitation. And I had this moment that I had physically stretched myself, overextended myself, gone further than I certainly had ever gone before, but maybe at this point gone further than was smart or safe. Because at this point, like I'm literally in the middle of nowhere and I'm praying that one of the logging roads that we crossed, that if I just started walking, I might at some point find my way out. This is what I'm praying. Not a smart plan. I don't suggest that. But do you know... The next morning I got up and I packed all my gear and everything soaking wet and muddy. And oh my God, I had this awful climb down this cliff. Like it looked like a cliff and it was these giant boulders. And I was like, oh, my leg muscles just don't have this. And this voice came to me and I'm not exaggerating and I'm not trying to be silly. And this voice went, you know what? This isn't your end. This is your beginning. This is just the beginning. And it just kept saying that. And I literally, I remember I stopped on the trail and you could hear all the rain dripping off the trees, you know, and I was like, this is my beginning. You know, I didn't fail. I didn't make a mess of things. I still have to get myself out of the hundred mile wilderness, but that's okay. And I'm sitting here today. So we know that I did, but that voice was, it was not my voice. And I will forever be grateful for it because if people say like, what is the moment Trail Dames was born? I didn't have the name then. But that was the moment that I knew stuff was coming and I was going to do things. And so that was my head right out moment. That is a profound head right out moment. And yeah, and she's off again. I don't mean to make you cry. I'm sorry. No, it's partly the story, you know, what it means. I know how much that means, but also the way you deliver it as well. And it just, yeah, that is such a special story. And I've not heard that before. You know, I've obviously heard your podcast yeah. and, and listened to a lot of what you've said and read things by you, but no, I've not heard that story before. So very, very special head right out moment. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Wow. So 
apart from making me cry, no, no, that's me. You have been just pure bubbles today and pure positivity and pure fun. Is is There's something about you, Anna, that you just light up the room. And I know I've got my little grotto here. Thank you I was going to say, you grotto. have the disco lights going on. <laughs> I, but yeah, thank you for stepping into my grotto with me. Well, thank you. And, and yeah, it, this has been absolutely incredible to hear you sharing your stories and just giving us another step forward another push of encouragement to say you can do this and I know what you were saying earlier about knowing your body and knowing that your body is your limitation no you do need to know your limits and sometimes we do need to make that call that we need to perhaps step off the trail or step off an adventure that we're on because of safety. You know, we've got to keep others safe. We've got to keep ourselves safe, obviously. But what you shared there about that voice that came from somewhere, you know, that's your subconscious just letting you know that actually don't cut it here. This is a new you. This is a beginning. This is something that if you don't do this, if you walk away from this now, you're not going to benefit from this experience later on because now right. you can draw on that and say, well, if I can do that, I can do this. And yeah. it might just be something like stepping up in front of your first sea of people at your summit to the fir- very first summit, you know. Yes. There's all sorts of ways that you can take those experiences into everyday life, isn't there? And I think that's what I found on my first long distance trail. I was able to take it into the workplace and into my everyday life. And I didn't know I was going to be able to do that. You don't know until you've done it. You don't. And I tell you, magic happens. All you have to do is one thing, like break out of your comfort zone one little tiny bit. If it means, you know, going out on a kayak and you never thought you could do that, you know, go take a little class or whatever, break out one little bit. And this magic thing happens. And I I think the the universe goes, aha, we got a live one. And Door, little doors will start opening because I can tell you that there was a point in my life I didn't go, ooh, I'm going to start an outdoor women's organization and I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. Every one of those little things was a door that came open as a result of something else. So pay attention, like just step out just a little bit, head right out with Zoe, just one little bit. And the universe will conspire to line up opportunities for you to do more and more and more. It's a cool thing. Perfect. Thank you. So, Anna, where can people come and share more magic with you online and on oh, socials? <laughs> everywhere. Okay. So, and I think in the show notes, you have all my links. You can learn about Trail Dames at traildames.com. If you are a woman who enjoys hiking, come to our Facebook page. It's a closed group. You do not have to be a member of one of the chapters. We have women from all over the world and <clears throat> would love to have an international chapter. I'm just saying to any of your listeners <laughs> who feel like that's their their moment to get out and start something new that'd be great to spread overseas oh i've even we have a woman in new zealand and i'm like going come on we want to go to new zealand but like come and join us because we just it's low-key and it's not 800 messages a day but we just like we celebrate each other and support each other and share pictures and everything of loving the outdoors and yeah and of course we'd love to for you to come listen to the charlie's podcast we have this fabulous episode from this woman you may have heard of her so we legally walk them she's amazing you should listen to that one episode it's really great <laughs> thank you so much Anna is there anything else that you would like to say that I haven't given you the opportunity to to talk about 
just thank you, Zoe. Like, seriously, I want everyone to look at what you're doing and realize that you are literally putting your money where your mouth is. You were literally doing what you're asking other women to do. You know, you were stepping out and taking chances and risks and trying new things. So it's not yet just you like preaching from a pulpit, you're living it too. And so thank you for being such a motivation and inspiration to all the rest of us. Oh, thank you, Anna. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> Anna Huffmaker, thank you so much for coming on Head Right Out. And I hope we can catch up with you again sometime soon. Me too. It's my pleasure. Wow, how did that make you feel? While there were some potentially sensitive issues discussed, Anna has an extraordinary way of delivering them with such a fizz. I find myself being left with such a positivity and inspiration after talking with her. And I have to admit, through recording that with Anna, I smiled and I laughed and I cried. But also, whilst editing it, going back over it again, I smiled, I laughed. And yes, I cried again. (laughs) Anna just lives her message of the things we do speak to other women. And I think that's something that I'm going to carry with me. The things we do speak to other women. We have so much to offer and so much to give and so much to demonstrate. And we are what we live. Hmm. Anyway, do go and listen to the Trail Dames podcast, of which Anna is the host It's so refreshing and so inspiring. And all of the links will be in the show notes. Now, I'm recording today somewhere completely different. I'm at my mum's. We've had quite a tricky few weeks with mum being in hospital, but she came out of hospital this week and she's taking some time in a care home, a local residential care home. And so I am sat in one of her rooms. I don't have sound booth, no grotto. (laughs) So if this sounds a little bit different, that is why. Our Head Right Out moment this week has been sent in by Frankie Dewar and Frit Tam. So it's a joint head right out moment. What an amazing moment it is. I'm going to read you what Frankie has sent me. I'm sharing this head right out moment for myself and my partner Frit, who set themselves the challenge of rollerblading and cycling around England to share stories from the LGBTQIA plus community. This project was so daunting for Frit as they couldn't rollerblade at all at the start of the year and had never done a trip of this size before. It was also daunting for me, as I was the support crew and there to film the entire time. It sounds like I got the easy job, but filming is so unbelievably hard and I didn't really have that much experience to draw on. But for me, the bravest part was Frit, publicly coming out as transgender just before the start of the trip and taking on the challenge at a really early stage in their transgender story. It was an amazing thing to celebrate, but it was also hard at times. You would go to a new place and it would be hard to tell whether you were really safe there or not. People would ask, where are you going? Or, what are you up to? And sometimes we felt safer just to say, cycling to Brighton, 
rather than to tell people about the full extent of the trip. And that's what the trip is all about, to share more stories and raise the voices of people within the LGBTQIA plus community, to show that we are here and we are welcome, so that people don't feel like they have to hide who they are. We're currently crowdfunding to make a film from the trip and all the interviews Fritt did along the way. We'd love it if you could visit the page at igg.me forward slash at forward slash glide hyphen for hyphen pride. And you can watch a trailer for the film. And if you feel able to help us to share these stories. So there will be a link in the show notes to their Indiegogo crowdfunding page. And I will also put links to Frankie's Instagram page and Fritz Instagram page. They are both hugely inspiring. Frankie is also host of the Extraordinary Ordinary You podcast, which I was interviewed on last year. And Frankie is no novice to adventure because she took off last year and cycled for months around the UK interviewing women who were older than her, who had stepped out of their comfort zone, if you like, done adventures, done things that were a bit different. And so that's why she came and chatted to me. Do go and check them out. And if you can spare any pennies, please go and check out the rewards that are being offered in return for a pledge to help back Fritz film. Such a positive message to get more LGBTQIA plus individuals represented in the outdoor arena. Okay, well, this was episode eight. If you loved what you heard today, please share, follow and review the podcast just to ensure that Head Right Out can reach more women out there. New episodes land every Wednesday morning and I hope you'll be back listening with me again. I am Zoe Langley-Waffen and I wish you a week of fulfilling Head Right Out moments. I hope you are inspired to head out of your comfort zone, doing stuff that stretches you and makes your life richer as a result. See you next week. Head right out hugs to you all. Mwah.